0: And welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Myself, Matt Messiano, and I'm welcome to be joined by Jordan. No Tom this afternoon. Uh, he'll be coming in possibly at some points during the session. First things so that's Jordan. It's, it's it's I'm pleased to be back, but it's it's not great circumstances that I'm back under.
1: Yeah, things have gone downhill in that short space of time. Even though you've talked about a win since you've been away, but um, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, difficult time, to or an interesting time, but a little bit frust- of a frustrating time to be a Watford fan, I'd say. So, yeah, welcome back.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, Huddersfield two, Watford one. Then, and let's go from the very beginning. Then, it, it, there was a, a few changes to the to the lineup. What was you? What was your thoughts on those?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think initially the big one, or the biggest of the of the changes, was, was seeing Emmanuel Dennis start. In that mm-hmm. central position, obviously replacing Ryovic there. Um after, you know, one of his probably one of his worst games, Ryovich, that he had for us at, at Rotherham away, quite ineffective. And you know, I think a few of us felt that Emmanuel Dennis down the center would be an option that were or a likelihood that we'd see him used there um at some point in the season. And and we we got to obviously. So that was kind of the main one that stood out. Apart um, from that, I guess that you know, there was obviously some rotation in there. Um, we had to see kind of what was going to happen with the centre backs. We see Matty Pollock come in. Um, you know, still, um, still the, the, the right back situation hadn't changed. Tom Delibashiri was probably the the next biggest um, conversation piece there in regards to the lineup. He kept that position, and you, you again saw Ryan Andrews on the bench alongside um, another right back in, in Jeremy and too. So. Yeah, it, interesting. I'm sure there's um, quite a few kind of aspects and things at play there, but yeah, t- tough one to call.
0: Mm. Uh, I mean, Watford actually took the lead in the game, and it was you know a, a, a pretty decent uh, effort from Dennis. Uh, was, was you happy with his performance? Um, you know, I think he he
1: obviously provided you something different. Uh, I think it it was for me as a question of seeing how we could use him. Uh, you know, you, you look at someone like Yasser Espria, you kind of think he's the guy, if anyone wants to play in Dennis, then it's going to be Yasser Espria that's going to kind of find his movement. Obviously, it ended up being the case as well. It was slightly different than than maybe you'd expect, but that kind of industrious work down the right and then, you know, presence of mind and, and actually effectively getting the ball to him. And there's a really good touch from Dennis and the way he kind of took the ball under control and got the shot away was kind of exactly what you want from him. But, you know, I thought we 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 missed him out for large portions, you know, how how dominant Huddersfield were in terms of pressing us and making things awkward for us. Uh, we played the ball quite, quite long, quite quickly. And, you know, Dennis was getting swallowed up by Tom Lees for for large portions of the game. The ball was a bit too much in the air for what he can really offer you in that capacity. So we saw some positive signs. Obviously the, the, the negative's going to be the injury that happened, you know, just after the goal. So it wasn't all positive, but um I'm glad we're looking at him as a viable option down the centre of the pitch, although he might not be available for a little while now, who knows.
0: Yeah, that, that injury might keep him out for, what, three or four weeks?
1: Could well be, yeah. Um, I guess we'll find out the severity and, and kind of what he can play through, if he can play through any of it at all. But, you know, uh, an injury coming into the game and with, with the groin there and you know, he's tried to play through it and just not not been able to last those minutes. So, yeah, I mean, normally that sort of injury, you're looking at at least that sort of time frame, but you know, he was willing to play this one, you know, may have done a little bit more damage and definitely kind of set himself back and made this uh, an injury that's going to cost him some games potentially at, you know, really kind of the worst time, unfortunately.
0: Who's cool is that, Jordan? I mean, don't physio step in and say he's not ready to play and, and sort of overrule the coach in those circumstances?
1: Well, I mean, they can give their opinion, but ultimately it's up to the coach and the player. So you know they they can have their say, and and, and you know they it, it depends. There's going to be some level of flexibility, and also it's not you know there's a lot of a lot of input that goes into it, but it's not a perfect science. You know, he, they they might think he can get through that game, um, but you know it's probably come down to the the coach taking the advice of the of the medical team, and then also um, Dennis's willingness to play or not. You know, being a factor as well. Obviously, I'm, I'm not sure what his his amount of training was, his, his training load in the in the week prior to this, but you know, he had a bit of time between games. Um He hasn't played a tremendous amount of minutes. Obviously, we saw him we saw him at Rotherham, but not for a large amount of time. So most likely, something is picked up in training, and they've kind of hoped that he can go through it. You know, is is it, especially if he's picked it up on the Thursday, perhaps. Um, and then maybe give him a little bit lighter time on on Friday, not really go, do do some walkthroughs and so on, and then and then try and see if he can go for it on Saturday. And it's just not it's just not panned out, but, you know. You know, a lot of these players are can these sorts of injuries It's just unfortunate. That Dennis uh, Dennis kind of couldn't last the game, or even just the minutes that we were going to keep him on for.
0: Mm. Okay, um, I said that Tom would come to us uh, throughout the podcast. He's recorded a few bits for us. Let's go to Tom now and find out what his thoughts were on on the game.
2: I thought we were absolutely awful from the word go till the final whistle. And that's an important distinction because from the outset, there was absolutely nothing positive to write home about. Um, it's a wonder, quite frankly, that they got to the ground on time and put on the right kits because there was nothing in the performance, the ball honestly, it felt like didn't get out of our half for most of the first 25 minutes. I tweeted at one point, Have we serious, have we genuinely, have we actually completed a pass in their half yet? Because I'm not sure we have. I don't think we got a touch in their box until kind of north of half an hour. Um, there was no kind of midfield, there was no intensity. We just continually gave the ball away. Uh, you know, it was backwards and sideways to a ridiculous degree. And, and to be honest with you, I've heard people say afterwards, oh, Huddersfield deserved to win. Huddersfield deserved to win. Now, Huddersfield didn't deserve to win. Both those teams deserved to be kicked out of football for good because I'm sorry, we were so abject. Their attempts to win at Huddersfield were absolutely pitiful and we essentially handed it to them. Uh, any half-competent team would have, annihilated us there was nothing there was just antipathy lethargy just absolutely feckless and it was it was harking back to the real bad times of last season and evidence that you can't just root these things out over the course of, of of one year now i'm not saying that's because we've got bad characters in there but maybe we haven't got big enough brave enough strong enough characters across the group um because nobody was kind of grabbing the game or each other, whatever, by the scruff of the neck and saying, right, come on, let's get our acts together. I said at the top of that answer, it was rubbish right up until the end. And it was because there was barely any attempt to win it. But even at full time, I noticed, because I was hung around for a couple of minutes at the end or five minutes at the end, probably, Wesley, who did a, I don't want to say kind of lap of applause because he wasn't really applauding, but he he did a lap around and he was trying to gesture to some players to come over and join him and and, you know, kind of front up, I think a little bit to supporters. And a couple of them half-heartedly took a few more steps towards him, then gave up and went back on themselves. And he was kind of looking at them and and kind of very demonstratively saying, Oh, I'm really pissed off at these guys. Um And I think that was quite telling in its own way as well. The other thing that I kind of picked up on, non-verbal thing that I picked up on, was Emmanuel Dennis. I know he sort of grabbed the ball and started running back to the centre circle, even though we scored to go one and up. But I don't think anyone really celebrated with him. And, and, you know, a lot of people have quickly kind of labelled him a bad influence and so on and tried to put two and two together, um, you know, when it's probably just correlation rather than causation, his return and our form. But... I I wonder if there was anything in that. Could be looking at something that didn't there where there was nothing in it, but I do wonder.
0: Okay, thanks for uh, Tom's input there. Um quite a few things to un- unpick there, Jordan, but um first things first he was um you know pretty disappointed with the performance overall.
1: Yeah, I think it's worth noting how far AI software has come to really capture the essence of Tom. <laughs> there. That was uh that was great. I think Tom's actually lost his place. I think we can just bring that into the uh, into the show ongoing now. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I, you can't really disagree with too much of what was said there. Obviously, covered a lot of bases. But you know, just in, in terms of the basic performance, it was you know, it was disappointing. I think we we can talk about players and kind of execution, certainly. But I think the you know, there were moments. There were lots of missed passes, lots of loose play, definitely. But we we were def- we were also it felt like we were very out coached in this game you know the the key kind of component of Huddersford's game was to disrupt um, not allow us to have that dominance not that we're particularly good at breaking teams down you know it's it's not that it's our strong suit but we do tend to to control the ball somewhat at least in terms of you know time on the ball um and, and just making that really difficult you know we i've I mentioned before a lot can be said about the opponent and their approach towards us based on how they they react to Wes Who even in particular. And, you know, that was a, a a real kind of standout. There wasn't much time for him. They were very active in in stopping that play, uh closing down that back line entirely. And maybe a little bit more time to Pollock and you know, see what he can do to you that can kind of give you a little bit of a bit of comfort and in, in not being as aggressive there and, and you can kind of fill those other holes. But you know, it just didn't allow us to to really play and we just don't seem to have that we don't seem to have the mindset, the confidence to to really play through those sorts of teams. You know, under that sort of pressure, we mm. we do panic a little bit. You know, that's it's an individual thing, it's a team thing. It's not something we we do consistently, really. You know, we tried to begin the season. I, I still think we had some positives there, but it's not something we've continued throughout the season. So when we do get into that situation, we clearly don't look comfortable, um, and we just didn't really ever change from there. Obviously, you know, we made subs early on. I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in an attempt to perhaps at least change a little bit of the application from the players, you know, kind of get, maybe wake some players up somewhat. But in terms of adjustments, tactical adjustments, changes to try and compensate for the way that Huddersfield were the playing, there are very few. Um, and it, it just felt like we didn't really have answers.
0: Yeah. And on the, the part that Tom said right at the end there, the, the Emmanuel Dennis celebrations or, or lack thereof, what, what, did you see anything in that?
1: Yeah, maybe. Um you know, I, th- I think that's definitely an interpretation of it. You know, I, it's it's we. I, I think the Wes Hoop stuff at the end is telling as well. I heard a few people say that. You know, the player struggling to get players to come around. There's a few Espria and a couple of others that did. I, I think we're really. This is the first time we're starting to question the group mentality and and confidence and, and and belief in what's going on this season. You know, something we've really used as like a a, a pillar of positivity. In this season, over this season, has been the the unity, togetherness of the team, um, and in, in various aspects, the mindset of the team. But this this seemed like the opposite of that. In in pretty much every way, they've seen the disconnect from from the head coach and the rest of the team in terms of what we were trying to do. And yeah, it really wasn't it wasn't good. You know, we we've not been good at home anyway. Obviously, we've had you know poor performances. I think is that seven without a win at home now. Yeah, just yeah, struggling. So not ideal at all. And you know, in terms of Huddersfield, they. Whilst they weren't good, you know, Tom says neither team should be playing they, playing football. They weren't good, but they were effective in stopping us, and that was the primary objective, and it 100 percent worked.
0: Yeah, yeah, credit credit to them, to be honest. They uh, they they did a job on us, and they were they were effective. Um, Jordan ahead of the game, uh, a few days ahead of the game, actually. Watford Observer spoke to Val and, and one of the questions they asked was, "Why are we not more front footed on the in in the games that we've played in?" Um, and and Val's response um, was quite interesting. He said, uh, "You know, we we like to wait for the first, you know, fifteen twenty minutes until we we know how the opposition are playing before we react to that." What was your your response to to hearing that? And and do you think that that um, do you think he's been misquoted some in some way, or or, or do you think that um, he didn't he didn't he didn't really mean in, in, in those? broad terms or or do you think that that's genuinely what he's been doing and is that really a a, a good way of managing?
1: I, mean, I think there's probably some nuance to it that's maybe lost a little bit in kind of one exchange perhaps but yeah, I think there's you know if you're going into games and you're kind of essentially you're being a little bit cautious you know there's nothing inherently wrong with that if you feel like you've got the ability to to up the tempo to change gear and and, and to really kind of focus on those those weak points of those kind of areas that, that become exposed both in the opposition and also how to kind of counter what the opposition are, are doing to you, then that's just part of management in general. We don't think it's necessarily unique, obviously some unique kind of approach. Obviously some teams are going to be a little bit more um, aggressive off the, off the bat and, 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 go for it a little bit more early on. And it, in a, in a fluid game like this, there is um, merit to focusing and kind of game planning at what points you're going to kind of raise that intensity? You can do that to an extent, but again, by the, the same token, it is a fluid game that can change so quickly. It doesn't. It's never really going to go to plan um, perfectly. So it, it's part of the reason why we've seen the results play out the way we have. You know, we, we often are hanging around in, in those games, and it's it's been decided late on quite often. You know, our, our kind of energy and work rate has has shown, in, and even just our fitness in general has shown later in games but that becomes increasingly hard when the, the squad gets thinner and thinner too I think um, if that is the game plan then it's not particularly been working uh, in in recent weeks you know this one here you could maybe say that for the opening few minutes but we, we never changed um, we never became more effective in, in any capacity really offensively or defensively we just didn't look at it at all so yeah I'm not really sure that that approach really had much impact on this one
0: Shouldn't you know management be prepared for the way that the 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 opposition are likely to to shape up ahead of time though and and prepare for that rather than trying to react in the middle of the game to what it is that 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 they're they're bringing on the day
1: yeah you're gonna you're gonna be aware of tendencies strong points weak points in, in general obviously the other team's doing the same to you um so there's you know, you're always expecting some level of kind of micro adjustment or you know you're, you're kind of anticipating the potential of those sorts of adjustments that might be unique to the day uh, that that give you an opportunity to be a little bit more um adaptable on the fly and, and kind of, again you know re- reassessing a little bit you do your homework and that's to give you a good baseline understanding but you have to take it somewhat by you know match by match basis and and, and there will be opportunity to potentially capitalize on those aspects of the game in real time, but you know the majority of that work, as you say, is done beforehand, and you know the things that, that I think really hurt us from Huddersfield aren't things that are necessarily unexpected um, you know in terms of their their work off the ball, what they're going to, what they're going to be trying to do in, trying to do in, uh, when we're in possession, their shape, what they're going to do in possession, you know how they defend it's, it's not it, it wouldn't have been something that surprised the coach. I'm just a little bit surprised we weren't a little more, um, a little quicker to to maybe try and at least avoid some of those situations rather than kind of consistently playing into it.
0: Mm. Well, it, it, for whatever reason, it didn't seem to work for him, and he made two changes very early on, as you alluded to earlier. There, Jordan, I don't think we've seen two changes made so early on throughout the whole season. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, the the changes were Kone off and Kyanbe off. Two players who actually have had very good performances this season, but maybe for whatever reason, weren't quite on it on the day. And and on came for Taxi and perhaps a little bit surprisingly, Tom Ince. Mm. Um, what was your thoughts on firstly the reasons why he made the changes, and then the people in question that were that were changed?
1: Yeah, I think you know, I think it really was uh, trying to, uh, the attempt of a wake up call to the rest of the team. You know, I I feel like in an ideal world, you wouldn't be taking Kone off really. You know, he didn't start well. I think KM looked like he was struggling more in the game to me. I think he he just started quite poorly. You know, maybe if you're going to hook someone, you could say that and you you want someone a little bit more attacking intent, like Shaq Patadz, if you just feel like this game just needs that injection of tempo already, that's fine. Kone, I think probably that the the other aspect, the other element of injury plays a part. The car's still not great. He's still not moving perfectly. And I think that that's still bothering him. So, I'm sure Kane wants to play and was not happy to come off and they went straight down the tunnel. I'm not sure that's indicative of going straight for treatment on top of being or if it's kind of a, a frustration just going kind of, you know going straight down the tunnel or not but it's you know it's not ideal it's not ideal for the players obviously. Um good opportunity for Tom Ince and, and Shaq Vatadze, of course. Now, I think they did fine, actually. You know, Shepard Tadde does give us something a little different. I think he was one of the better players in the day. And I actually think Tom had some moments. You know, some of the shots he he should have done better with, but he was, he was getting some more attacking positions and he was doing okay. So it's, you know, it didn't make a huge, huge difference. It at least showed some level of reaction, which I think was needed, but it just didn't really kind of culminate in anything substantial, really, did it?
0: Mm. he had he had more than a few opportunities Tom wasn't able to put anything away unfortunately but um yeah yeah he, Yeah he, no it's
1: unfortunate he
0: had several chances um another talking point which is, it's been a talking point for a while but um it's really starting to become more and more of a a problem the uh the right back situation Deli Bashiro continued to be uh preferred to to Ryan Andrews who I think everyone can see is 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 the better option the Answers that we're getting from Vow is that he's tired, that he's not ready to to come back in yet. I think are starting to wear thin a little bit on the on the Watford fans. I don't think anyone's really believing that now. Perhaps earlier on when he was being rested, maybe. But what's your thoughts on that? And um, also, there's speculation behind the scenes that uh, there's more to this story than um, than. And simply uh, resting a player.
1: Yeah, I mean it's tough. I, I think the thing is we've we, we've been quite upfront about disciplinary issues previously, haven't they? Um He's only signed a new contract. It was, it was this year he signed a new contract, wasn't it? To Ryan Andrews. So yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So there's you know I I heard some people even suggest that has he hasn't moves kind of transpired already and stuff. I don't believe any of that at all. I think. You know, it, it it could be two, I think there's really two options in my mind, potentially a mixture of, the both, of both. You know, you can't rule out the fact that he prefers Didi Bashiri there. Maybe he likes the option of Tom Didi Bashiri. He likes the, the movement inside and the ability to kind of be another the supporting midfielder at times. Potentially that's what he's seeing there. Um, but also you know maybe the maybe the fatigue fitness issue is a real problem with Andrew's you know maybe there's something we're not quite seeing in his recovery or in his training you you would think by now with the amount of time he's had out if it was kind of a workload issue you you can address that predominantly in training rather than match time to an extent so you'd expect him to if it was purely if he was a number one starter and that's the only thing keeping him out then you should expect him to be back by now potentially there's some other element of injury we're not aware of that's just not been talked about and we've not not been disclosed for whatever reason and then maybe that's the case but unless it's something have really changed our approach i don't just don't get the impression it's disciplinary so i think it's either preference or if what he's saying is is genuinely true we're just not getting the full extent of it so it sounds a little questionable but you know in my opinion i don't know why you wouldn't play your best right back um really you know i think he does offer you more than Tom De there, and that's not that's not to take away from Tom. You know, I think he has done pretty well at considering, and he's also a, a good option at number eight. So it, it's, it's a strange one, but I'm, I'm not I'm not quite convinced yet. It's, it, it's maybe as insidious as it's been suggested.
0: Mm, okay. During the game, Jordan, there was also um, noticeable booing from the Watford fans. Um, it's hard to blame them, to be honest. Uh, Tom was at the game live and uh, was able to hear that and he had some thoughts about the booing. Uh, I'm just going to bring him in here and, and we can listen to what he uh, had, had to say.
2: Regarding the booing, uh, I can see why people were getting frustrated and I think people had every right to, to boo and, and make their feelings clear. Um, uh, there was just a distinct lack of bravery and conviction and courage to try something. And although the crowd wasn't in a particularly forgiving mood on the day, I think they would have been more forgiving had people tried to do something and make something happen. But as it was, you know, we were doing the most basic, safe, sideways, simple things and getting that wrong over and over. So I can kind of see why it kept happening as well. And also, if that's what Ismail told them to do, then I suppose, you know, what do you do? Do you break out of his instruction and and try and do something off the cuff when he's already hooked two players inside half an hour? I'm not sure. I'm also not sure that it helps either because they're very clearly lacking a bit of confidence at the moment. So having your own fans getting on your back is 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 probably not ideal either. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a vicious circle, and I'm not really sure what the answer is. So that's that's certainly not to admonish anyone that that made their feelings known. I, I don't blame anyone. It was absolutely turgid. It was just staggeringly boring, particularly the first half. Um I looked up after about 25 minutes at the clock. And I was staggered that as many as 25 minutes had gone, it was so bad. Um, obviously, it livened up a little bit after the, the two substitutions, which, to be honest with you, were they the worst kind of culprits in the game up to that point? Probably not. The midfield was absolutely and utterly AWOL. But, you know, the balls into midfield were crap routinely. And when we got it in midfield, we immediately gave it away again. Um so yeah I think as much as anything it was about shaking it I'm sure there was some tactical thought behind it but I think as much as anything the the thinking was probably gotta make a change here gotta shake it up and and kind of put a bit of a rocket up them because it was it was just absolutely and utterly insipid um particularly up to that particularly up to that stage changing to four two three one I'm not sure it' improved things necessarily I never kind of imagine that Tommy Tom Ints coming on would be the answer, but I did think at least Chuck Tadze stood out as being probably the best player on the park from a from a Watford point of view.
0: Those are the thoughts from uh, from Tom Burdell. Um Jordan, you was watching on a on a screen as as you as you typically do living in Canada. Was the booing audible? Could you could you did you hear any of that?
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know the frustration of um, the frustration of the fans kind of during the game as well, you know, misplaced pass and so on was also very, very audible. You know, it was, it was definitely very apparent so that you, you could feel the atmosphere early on, even, you know, even watching on on TV, you kind of get that impression. And, you know, we all know kind of what that atmosphere can feel like in, in those situations. And you can see it on the players' performance too. There's that anxiety um and heaviness to the to the atmosphere that's that's you know it's palpable. So yeah, difficult, difficult day at um at Vicarage Road.
0: Tom was talking about the 4231 there. Was was there a formation switch and, and how did you feel that worked if that if that was the case?
1: I don't think we had any impact on on the game in, in terms of the change. You know, the personnel made a little bit of impact perhaps in terms of the, you know more slightly more Offensively minded, you know, maybe you know we had some chances with the Tom Ince and we kind of went for it a little bit more. Shakhtar Tatya kind of gives you a little bit of that that energy, but very little, very little positive uh, positive impact or change from from really anything we did from the sideline. Has to be said.
0: Yeah, going forward, we weren't that great either. Um, Radović has come in for criticism once again. Um, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on on him, Jordan?
1: I mean, I just, I, I, the same, <laughs> the same, to be honest with you. I feel bad. Um, I feel bad kind of repeating the same thing for people yeah. listening. Um, But, you know, I just think it's where we are with, with number nine there. I think it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's just not a solution right now. I hope it can maybe improve or we kind of find something, a way of dealing with this, but yeah, it, it not, not helpful to lose Dennis in that, at that time.
0: No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, um, Something that Tom uh, wanted to talk about as well, so I'll bring him in. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: I really felt for Miletir and I went on Do Not Scratch Your Eyes after the game and, and kind of gave my thoughts on the subject because he looked like a player who was painfully short of confidence. The header that went high, wide, and not at all handsome to quote FIFA games of years gone by, I think is one that he would have at the very least hit the target with a couple of months ago. There was another one where I'm pretty sure it was a spree kind of squared it to him inside the box and he sort of poked it, swept it very tamely wide on his left foot. And again, you know, that's his kind of area where for all his other faults and of which there are many, you kind of expect him to be a bit more ruthless, a bit more clinical and, and put that chance away. It might not have put them away on another day, but it felt to me like a player who was so utterly devoid of confidence That it was, it was, you know, you could see what little confidence he had ebbing away as the game went on. I don't think it helped that the first thing he tried to do was kind of flick on a bouncing ball within a minute or so of coming on, near halfway, and he sort of got his timing wrong or jump wrong or whatever, and essentially lost an uncontested header. Which, when you're six foot four, you just think, "Oh my god, that should be, you know, that should be bread and butter to him." And you know, it was. A kind of trend throughout any kind of aerial duel he went into went wrong. There was one occasion where he did get on the ball, and then he immediately kind of gave it, he held it up. He thought, okay, right, and then gave it away. And he, you know, it just it was the showing, the showing from hell for him, the afternoon from hell for him. And at this stage, I appreciate our options are somewhat limited because Emmanuel Dennis went off with what looked like a groin problem. One of the players was signalling to the physios, I think, that it was his groin. We obviously know Vacun bio is out at the moment with a hamstring problem. I would be tempted to take him out of the firing line altogether because I just don't think there's anything to be gained at this stage from keeping him out there. I know people are saying, you know, we're only nine points above the relegation zone. We are, I think there are enough teams that we've got to kind of drop through to get sucked into that battle properly. And I just think, you know, almost take him out and and work with him on rebuilding that confidence. Bulk up a little bit in the gym. I I don't know what you think about that, Jordan, but he's a very scrawny kind of six foot four. I'm not talking as Mr. Muscle here myself, but as a tall bloke, but, you know, he's a very scrawny sort of six foot four and, and physically he looks beaten in every game. So, I doubt that will happen because of the necessity of needing a striker in name, but I really, really felt for him because it was a low point for Milutinovic.
0: Yeah, he makes a good point there, Jordan. I mean, we're basically down to Rivech or nothing with regards to to a striker. Some people have suggested possibly playing some kind of false nine, but um...
1: yeah, I mean, I think Stan only just said there. I think you know you could look at other options. I I wouldn't be against trying someone else there in that more advanced position, you know, maybe you adjust things tactically a little bit and, and find a way to, to kind of incorporate one of those players. But, you know, we, we're playing that game again of, you know, you get the right back at right, sorry, they've sent a midfielder at right back and you've got someone else playing striker. It's not ideal and it's definitely indicative of the, the squad building that we've kind of, we, we've, we've done over the last few years. But, yeah, I mean, he, I'm sure he's thinking about that in some capacity. You know, he he himself said that he saw Dennis as the left winger, but was playing him essentially because he wanted to try and accommodate the the striking options we have. Um, I mean, it's not out of the realms of possibility that we we try and do something similar with a with a different player, and give him a chance in a, in a striker position. I think we've got some that could try it definitely. Martin's um,
0: someone that people have been calling for.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, they're all going to be different from what he played with before, right? And they're all different from what he what he wants in the ideal world. They're not going to be someone that offers you a little bit of everything. They're going to be quite specific. You know, maybe you even look at someone a little bit more of a technical play. You could even look at Shaq Fatadze maybe if you wanted to have someone that can maybe kind of drop a little bit deeper and then kind of have some more interplay or, you know, direct option in Martins. You could even look at someone like Tom Ince. You know, these aren't ideal options, but none of them are. Uh, so it, it's going to be a tough one. Um, in terms of the, the physicality thing, you know, we've touched on before, but he he really could do with a, a, a good, not just off season, you know, a good... I mean, it would have been great if he could start this a few years ago. But a hundred percent, there'll be a lot of focus on his um, his training outside of just purely, you know, technical ball work at the training ground. He needs to be doing quite a lot to improve athletically to to really kind of compete at this level. I think.
0: I know Toby Ariemo is um, recovering from the injury that he's had, and I think he's started to play a few. Games for the under-23s, possibly he could get thrown in, but it would be a, a big call for that to take place, wouldn't it?
1: I agree, yeah. no, I think it would be a, a quite a big one, yeah.
0: But, um, you know, if you're looking at other available strikers, he potentially could be someone in the next few weeks to to at least be on the bench, maybe. um, Ken Semmer was also someone that came in for a bit of criticism. Tom had a, a few words about him.
2: I thought it was a low point for Ken Semmer as well. Um, he is someone, I think, who still divides opinion despite the fact his name is listed or read out as King Ken Semmer ahead of kickoff. Um, But I thought the reason I wanted to touch on him particularly was I thought it was indicative of just our performance overall, that the amount of times we slid a fairly slow, lacking in pace pass into his feet when he had two or three men around him in the close proximity who were just, crash into him and win the ball back or knock him off the ball or knock him over or whatever and we just never seemed to learn and I just thought that was indicative of just a general lack of awareness smartness etc that we continue to try and do that and uh, you know he was made to look bad for it he did have a bad game everybody had a bad game but you know it kind of it spoke volumes for how stupid we were essentially that we didn't adapt that we didn't realize what was happening and and, and that it wasn't going to it wasn't proving to be a particularly profitable path for us um but yeah he had a he had a particularly ineffectual game for that reason i don't i don't fully blame him but i think he's struggled a bit really since he came back and there was a lot of hope and expectation pinned on his return and it's just it's just not really happened for him at all yet
0: yeah that's a it's that's a fair point from tom again kentamer has been I don't know, ten, ten, fifteen percent uh, under the the performance levels that he was putting in prior to um, coming back. Is is that all just part of the um, just, just building up to where he was, or, or you know, possibly did he just did he just have a bad a bad game? No, no one particularly had a, had, a, had a great one out there.
1: I think it's part of it. Yeah, you know, it's partly coming back and also coming back into a team that's performing quite poorly as well. It's just. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great environment for any one player to make a big difference right now. And I think that's part of the problem. But yeah, Summer wasn't able to, to really do too much. Obviously, he did get dropped back into the left-back position later on too. But yeah, he, you know, he, he misplaced a lot of passes and he looked rusty to me, definitely.
0: Mm. Um, perhaps if we're going to pick out any positives, um, it's good to see that Matty Pollock is getting a bit of a run in the team now yeah I thought he was
1: probably one of the better players you know it was kind of a game where you didn't have to do too too much in terms of um being expansive in possession or anything he he was pretty simple but he you know he, he was solid in his duels. he he worked hard um made a couple of good tackles but some some you know some good blocks and yeah good headers he he was quite dominant i thought it was it was one of his better games
0: yeah and um Esprit, even though he didn't have one of his his better games you know he he still looks you know a class above everyone else and uh yeah, he's he's come in recently for um some some links with uh, with Barcelona. Have you have you have you seen those? Is there much in it? Do you think? Oh, that's,
1: that's interesting. You know, he'll be linked. To, he'll be linked to clubs, no doubt. You know, the, the last three games, obviously, two goals and the assist it says a lot about how much how important he is to us. We've all people that have watched him play, you know, enough football we'll can all see that he's got a lot of potential there. There'll be links, whether Barcelona or not, is is a team that can feasibly meet that asking price who knows but i'm sure clubs of that quality will be looking at him and and seeing a potential future asset for themselves no, no doubt
0: mm, yeah um with regards to the the side then what do you think what worst performance of the season up there
1: especially up there. the first
0: half yeah,
1: yeah I, I think it was pretty poor pretty poor and you know maybe there's a, a touch of recency bias but yeah that was pretty bad i have to say that was pretty bad
0: yeah and more worryingly is that it's been a run of poor results now and performances in particular since, you know, well, Christmas time really. There there have been a couple of, you know, okay games, but in general, it's been a sort of downward spiral and um people are starting to wonder how long Valerian Ishmael has left in the role.
1: It's, yeah, I mean it's a bad question. It, it feels like it could happen at any point, you know. It's it's unclear. Um, exact, uh, precisely kind of how much time he has but you know I think every game now that's going to be the feeling it, it, is he going to if he is here by by Saturday who knows something could happen beforehand but it, it does feel like things are starting to, be, starting to become very tense um, obviously the fan pressure is is there no doubt you know maybe it's not all directed at him there's just a kind of general sense of frustration on top of things but we we know how we operate so it, it can't be ruled out. That's that's for sure.
0: Yeah, Watford sitting in eleventh with that Huddersfield game. It seems like any last lingering hope of playoffs have certainly drifted away now. But when you look at the fixtures to come for Watford, I mean eleventh at the minute sounds like it would be something I think we'd all be pretty happy with finishing in uh, at the end of the season. It, it could get a lot worse than this. Um, Watford are you know a good nine points away from the, the relegation zone. But could we be worried about getting drawn into a relegation battle?
1: I mean, we could get drawn in somewhat. I think we'll be okay. But, you know, I mean, you can't rule it out really, can you? It's, it's, it's possible. Uh We're playing poorly enough right now, you know, in, in recent games. If you kind of look over the last 10 or so games, and we're kind of performing around the, you know, right around the bottom end of the table, aren't we? So... It, it's not. It's not that it couldn't happen. I don't think it will, but it, it could certainly happen. And you know, I think they'll. The, the thing is with with this owner, I think there's always an element of overestimation at times, and well, consistently actually, um, in terms of the the assets they have at his disposal and the you know the ability of the team and so on. And I think he often thinks that he can get more out of them, and. It, I don't think the owner is willing to accept that playoffs are not really a possibility right now. And I think that might be the main motivation if it happens with with Ismail that he sees this as a team that can be competing now uh, and should be towards the top end of the table. So he might do something about it. That's kind of how he operates. So whilst I don't necessarily agree with him um, on a lot of things, I guess, but that would, I, I think, is probably the rationale if something was to happen before um before the end of the season.
0: It certainly feels the way it does very often before a change is made. But a lot of people are out there are wondering if this is going to be a you know a a, a different uh, a different time. Mr. Pozzo has certainly seemed less interested um in in recent months and he's got a lot going on outside of football that he needs to be uh focused on as well. And there's also the you know the potential that You know, he might sell up and and move on as well. That has been mooted. Probably one of the things he will be thinking about as well is not wanting to, you know, take that hit on um, paying out Valerian's contract and bringing somebody else in if we're in a position where potentially, and I know I did point out that, you know, we're not far away from the relegation zone despite our place in 11th, just keeping the status quo and allowing Ishmael to See out the season. Do you do you feel like that's more likely than it ever has been previously under other managers because of the current yeah. tide that we feel ourselves in?
1: I think it makes makes it the hardest one to call, definitely, um, because there are reasons that there are reasons that he would keep him around. As you say, not necessarily ones that are are positive for the long term of the club, in the sense that he thinks, no, I'm going to stick by this guy, we're going to support him, and mm-hmm. we have a good relationship, and we're, we're going to kind of work through this it feels more likely that if he stays, it's because of those um, points, or at least heavily because of the points you just raised. I, I think that's pretty, pretty accurate. And that it, again, that's what makes it a hard one to call. Um, and why, whilst we have that feeling, you know, we've got a bit of a, we've got a bit of a sixth sense for this sort of thing, I think is <laughs> exactly. what for fans now. Yeah, but um, it, it's definitely a harder
2: one because of that. Agreed.
0: Well, Tom's had his view on this as well. So let's uh, bring Tom in here.
2: I think Valerian Ismail's on thin ice. You know, we've seen the reports from Talk Sport. They're usually quite good on these things. The one that always, for me, is like smoke coming out, white smoke coming out of the Vatican is, uh, is the train, He's, um, is John Percy at the Telegraph. He always seems to get these ones on us pretty, pretty, pretty hot. Um, I think a Sammy Mockbell at the Mail is the other one, isn't he? Always seems to be quite well connected with regards to Watford. I can see why, because I think, and I said this again on Do You want to Scratch Your Eyes, they're, they're taken as a whole piece. I think he's done a good job over the season. You know, for whatever part he had in clearing out the squad and reducing the size of the squad and the age, and and all those things. we'll I guess we'll never know, but it's happened on his watch, so I'm prepared to give him some element of credit for it. Discipline, um, and kind of, you know, resetting. If not completely, then starting the reset on the culture and so on and, and building a bit more of a, a likable team and a nice at, nicer better atmosphere around the place until saturday obviously winning some games unexpectedly showing some character in that regard um but the trend presently and the underlying numbers and everything would rather suggest that we are going downhill now and there's little suggestion and certainly in saturday's performance that we know how to arrest that slump, and you know you see you do see it regularly. These teams that look like they're in no danger and then just hit the skids and keep keep going. And I'm not saying we'll get relegated, but it's a big kind of litmus test now of, of where the owner's head is at in terms of ambition. Is the ambition to be competing for the top six, um, or you know at least be kind of in the kind of also rounds of the top six, or is it simply just to to survive, just to exist in this division which you know kind of aligns with what scott Duxbury said about being proud to be a championship club in the summer um because i've no doubt in my mind not a second's doubt in my mind that in previous seasons had we been on a run like this the head coach wouldn't have made it this far they would have been sacked because the expectation would have been that we'd done better and the messaging would have been, you know, we've backed them with a squad that's capable of doing this, that and the other. We saw it last season, of course. Um, it's the same pretty much every time. So if if that doesn't happen now, now seems like the point, the tipping point, then I think it speaks very loudly and very clearly for where we are as a club now and, and what the MO is going forward. And it would confirm the suspicions that I and I think a lot of supporters have that it's now about just surviving in the championship bringing in revenues as uh, as and when i.e selling players for decent money and trying to find an exit route for for Gino because i just don't i just don't see a world in which previously any head coach would have been allowed to have gone on this long without getting performances uh, without getting results or performances i suppose All that said, he was obviously given a brand spanking new contract when we were 21st in division, I think, and hadn't got the body of work behind him that he has now, that kind of good run through the late autumn and early winter. So, you know, whether or not they do pull the trigger or not, I don't know, but it's going to be very, very interesting. And I think it will tell us a lot about what we should expect going forward in any time that that Gino has left at the club.
0: Yeah, that point from Tom there on the the contract as well could Come into the decision-making process, Jordan. Yeah, definitely. You
1: know, that's that's you'd assume so. You know, especially with finances being a little bit tighter than they have been, it's it's not necessarily stopped us before. But this is obviously as, as well a longer contract. Um, wouldn't be ideal. You know, obviously you, you're not necessarily kind of tied to having to pay it all off, depending on what jobs he he would take afterwards. But it's still. It's still, it's still a potential roadblock or, or at least a kind of aspect of the decision that, that must be playing on Gino's mind, no doubt.
0: Mm, okay. Well, in terms of what the the fans are feeling, and this is just a very uh, tiny uh, sort of portion of it, but we, we've had a little look at a um, a little poll that was put out by At-Lew Horns, uh, who always uh, is very good at this sort of stuff. Um, he asked the question, you know, is it the right decision or the wrong decision to, to sack vow uh, one thousand eight hundred and thirty-nine votes, seventy-one percent says wrong decision to sack, only twenty-eight percent saying right decision to sack. So it feels overwhelmingly at least, just taking Twitter as that little barometer there, that um most fans want to see Val remain in the in the position for the for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I think there's. I think that that seems to be the opinion. I think there's there's, there's just there's justified irrita- irritation, justified questioning of some of the aspects of him as a as a coach that we, we've seen, and there should be conversation around it. But I think ultimately, given all the all the factors we've talked about, I don't think anyone really feels in, uh, confident in the slightest that a change would would necessarily have a, a huge impact on the, the direction of the season and in turn uh, the, the seasons to come.
0: In terms of managers that uh, we could look at um, and re- remaining on Luke's uh, very good Twitter thread here. And if you haven't seen Luke, by the way, go, do have a look at at Lou Horns. Um, he says John Dow Thomason, Diego Martinez, Gio von Bronkhorst and Bo Svensson would all be uh, good targets. Uh, although some of those less realistic than others. But what, what are your thoughts on some of those?
1: Yeah, there's some good names for sure. And the the thing is, I just, you know, I, I think we're past the point of good or, you know, even bad. Well, good coaches having the ability to really change anything long-term. You know, it's, we're very, we, we kind of, we, we're very immediacy based. We don't look far ahead. We expect a lot of the coach. Um, I'm not sure that many would come here and, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's not. It's, the problem is, I don't see this issue of of where we are as a as a coaching problem necessarily, or at least not the largest aspect of it. So, I, I would struggle to be excited too too much about the head coach that comes in. I think that's my issue when we're talking about potential head coaches now,
0: because because they're not going to get the the time or the support or whatever it is that they require to be successful under this yeah. regime,
1: basically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Changing the wheels in your car isn't going to sort your engine issues. You know, it's not. It's 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 a bigger problem than that. It might give you a little bit of short term success. It might improve some things in some areas, but it feels like only a matter of time before the same things are happening, and you know, we're kind of back in the same position. So, my my in terms of appointments and you know, staff coming and going. It's more now for me in 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 terms of what we see higher up the ladder and in different areas potentially of the of the club.
0: Mm. In terms of what the press is talking about, um, they've also sort of got hold of the feeling that currently is uh, is on the waters, and they're saying that uh, Scott Parker is somebody who could be in the frame, um, someone who. Um, hasn't really got the same pedigree or anyth- anywhere close to of, of some of those previous names I've mentioned. And I'd, I I don't know if he would be really that great a, a fit for Watford. But like you say there, Jordan, it ultimately it doesn't really matter at the minute who takes that role because they're going to get the same treatment that uh, that anyone would, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I dislike the sound of that one in particular, but yeah, again, <laughs> what you said is true. I, Yeah, not for me.
0: No. A few people have said, look, if he does have to go, um, Tom Cleverley could be a good option to steady the ship until the end of the season. What, what would your thoughts on that be?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, potentially. I think it, an internal appointment is possible. You know, even, you know, it, yeah, there's, there's a chance there. How good or how bad it would be is is tough to say. I, you know, it, it's... Difficult one. I'm not against it. I'm not for it. Just very, very mid on on that. I think middle of the road.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, sorry. And no, that's a, no, that's a boring answer, but I just don't. You know.
0: No, I, I I I'm with you completely there, Jordan. I I know how you're feeling. I think I think a lot of us are are ready for the season to be done already, and we've still got you know a, a quarter of it left to go. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not fun being a Watford fan at the minute. Uh, a few more thoughts from Tom before we before we head to sort of wrapping up.
2: The other thing, actually, just quickly, I'd want to add on Ishmael is that, you know, the big thing he talked about in the summer and, and when he appoint- was appointed was intensity, intensity, intensity. Well, Saturday was the least intense performance I've seen from us all season, I think. So, you know, where is that gone? You don't have to be smashing balls into the penalty area for 90 minutes from all angles, but intensity in 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 your play when you have possession, intensity in your play out of possession, you know, it manifests itself in many different ways. And I just thought, if you were trying to explain to somebody with a visual representation, what intensity was, you just go the opposite of today, because it was so, so passive in every single respect.
0: That's the thoughts of Tom Biddell. Um, Massive thank you to him, by the way, to, uh, for uh, steadying this ship at uh, the Watford Buzz whilst I was away. Uh, great hosting from him and uh, uh, great work from yourself as well, Jordan. Thank you for that. Um, what do you think of, uh, of, of Tom's thoughts there on the intensity levels that uh, have seemed to dissipate over the last few well, months, really?
1: Yeah, Paul, you know, we look flat, we look tired, we're thin. <laughs> Um, lack, lack of depth, lack of options—all, all of those aspects, just yeah, resulting in, in, in what we saw on Saturday. Really,
0: yeah. If Val is to remain in charge, what, what does he need to do to, um, to try and, you know, rectify the situation?
1: I mean, that's a good question. Um, it's probably a good question for Val as well. I think you know he's he's got to he's got to recapture some of that fighting mentality we had when we, you know, we were winning games in the last minute. Um, we had that belief. We had that, you know, again that intensity. And there's a physical and a mental aspect that leads us to where we are now. But we have to kind of get some confidence back. And I think we have to, we have to, we have to rediscover or kind of find a new way of playing. We have to adapt because we're we we've gone stale. We've, we've I think teams are able to to kind of see those weak points, see our strong points, and we're not doing enough to compensate. I think so. Uh, this is a good test of him right now. I think if he does stay, how we handled these next few games, even if we don't have those that potential to get in the playoffs like we, we thought we might do, the direction um, that we go in for these the kind of last quarter of the season if he remains, I think will be quite telling. So that, that is, it's an opportunity for him, hopefully.
0: Mm. Um, with regards to what he said after the game, he said we cannot explain why we struggle like this at home. I am accountable as a coach for the performance, but the players are responsible for their own performance. Sometimes you cannot explain. You stand on the sideline and you see exactly what you have to do. Nobody wants to take responsibility with the ball. You don't want to make a mistake, but you end up making one anyway and you build the momentum of the opponent. Today is just the mental side. It's not physical. It's not technical. We need to step up and we didn't. I expected more. The fans expected more. I think the players themselves expected more. Today we... Accept all the criticism we get from the fans. So, I don't know, rightly or wrongly, but shifting a bit of the blame onto the onto the players themselves, Jordan. It seemed like there.
1: Yeah, there's some accountability for sure on the players too. It's just it's it's a larger thing, you know. It's it's it's, it's bigger than than any one aspect in particular. It's a it's a combination of them all. So we'll, we'll see we'll see from the coach. We'll see from the players in in the next few weeks. Indeed,
0: we will, Jordan. Um, next up, then we've got a a week a week's break uh and then we we come back for millwall not a easy game jordan they they never give us a <laughs> an easy game um it'll be interesting though with uh, the fact that um matty pollock is uh is currently in the team at the minute whether he gets an opportunity to uh kind of make amends for for his his disappointing outing when he last featured against millwall
1: I'm sure he'll be raring to. Um, yeah, look, it's, again, it's, as you said, it's, it's going to be tough. And against another, a, a team that's in a difficult situation, it's kind of in some ways fighting for their lives. And I don't like playing the losing team. So it's going to be it's going to an interesting one. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm sure Matty Pollock is as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, I think that will do us for uh, today. Thank you very much for joining me, Jordan. And thanks for Tom for sending in those um, very insightful clips as well it really helped i think to uh give us all a, a feeling of how where we are at the moment it it's not it's not a happy time to be a friend but we 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 carry on we will be back after that to uh to tell you uh what the situation is there might be an emergency pod at some point in between then if something happens and you know what I mean by that. Uh, until then, please do uh, follow us on all the socials at for Pod, at Messi Messiano, at Jordan Weimer, at TB Bedell. Uh, And try to enjoy your week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other football out there that you can watch and enjoy. Uh, or if not, there's uh, the rugby too. So, you know, lots of good things to keep you occupied uh, and pretend that we're not for fans for the moment. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Um, We've been the What for Buzz podcast. Uh, We're back next week. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. See you soon.